greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life, and I've had some wonderful things happen. Some things that are beyond things that have happened to the average person. But the most wonderful thing, the greatest thing that ever happened to me in all of my life was when I met Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to begin talking to you about that today how that came about, and to share with you my personal testimony. I want to talk to you today about when God is directing your life, you may not even know that God's hand is on you, and the things that he is bringing into your life are to speak to you about his calling in your life and that he's chosen you for his service. You may not even know that when those things are happening. I certainly did not know that was happening. I want to tell you that part of my testimony this morning. And next Sunday, I want to talk to you about exactly what happened, the immediate leading up to that night on August the 6th, that Sunday night, when I went to church and was gloriously saved in a salvation experience that lasted all these years. The last part of it I'll share with you next week. I've kind of struggled about this message a little bit as to how much I want to say about the beginning. And I decided I'm not going to talk about dysfunction. I'm not going to talk about family issues, abuse, harm. I, I hear people telling all those wonderful things that God brought them through, and I say, praise the Lord. God bless you. I'm so happy for you. I don't have to tell all of those things because God's already put all of that in the past for me. I've often said that when God saved me, he not only saved my soul, but he saved my life. It wasn't because I was so bad, although I was bad enough. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't that so much as the fact that as what I had been through in my early life. And I hear, I hear things on news reports and I hear people tell me personally and I hear things or see things that I read in the paper and all these people have done so many antisocial, even criminal things because of the way they were treated in their childhood so your father didn't tell you he loved you so your mother didn't hug you every day or maybe never hugged you and so when they did say something to you they were giving you commands and orders and punishing you if you didn't act immediately on the word that they said. Perhaps so. And perhaps much, much more and much worse than that. All right. That doesn't give you a right to go out and kill somebody and then stand before the court and say, I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't been mistreated. Doesn't give you a right to go out and rape somebody and say it's all because of the way my mother treated me when I was growing up. The courts may look at it as that's an excuse, but I'm going to tell you who does not look at it as an excuse, and that's God. I found out. I found out by experience. I found out by personal knowledge that what Paul said about the gospel of Jesus Christ bringing freedom, salvation, and deliverance is true. And when Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I found it to be true. Because that's what God did 
transformation of my life. So I say, God, save me from all of those things. Because when God saves you, when he really saves you, when the blood cleanses you, when you become a child of God, everything the Bible says becomes true to you, and you know that old things are gone, and he's given you a new life, and you live not in the old life anymore, you live in that new life. I didn't grow up as in a Christian home as Gabbard. I don't know that the name of Jesus, the name of God, was ever mentioned in any way other than a profane way in the home that I grew up in. I never remember it being said any other way. And so I grew to learn that, and that's what I began to do. I talked the same way as I heard my family talk. And most of you did, too, because that's what we learned growing up. We learned to say good things, we learned to say bad things. But all of that now makes no difference. I learned a long time ago. All those years ago, I found out by experience, when God makes a change, He makes a change. When I was just a, a, a little boy, I don't know how old I was, I was too young to have a clear memory of anything about the time frame. But a little Methodist church across the street from the house where I lived, was having a vacation Bible school. Now, I'd been in that church numbers of times after they were closed and at dark when we broke into play. I was familiar with the church, but I didn't know what vacation Bible school was. But they came around rounding up all the boys and girls in the neighborhood, inviting them to come into the church and do projects and have fun and play games. And so we were looking for something to do, and the, the boys in my gang decided we would go. We didn't know anything about what it was, but we knew we didn't, we, we didn't have anything against the church because we were very familiar with it, as I've already said. So, so we went to vacation Bible school. And as a little boy, I may be seven or eight years old, the first time I ever heard it said, ever heard it said in my life, that Jesus loved me was in that little Methodist church in that vacation Bible school. It didn't mean much to me. I'll tell you honestly, it didn't mean much to me. It didn't, didn't change my life. It had no big effect on me. But they did say one thing. They talked about Calvary, and they did say one thing in that vacation Bible school. I've never forgotten that Jesus loved me, and also that Jesus died for me. And if he had not died for me at the hands of those cruel men, I would have had to die. I don't think that's exactly the way they put it, but that's exactly the way I took it. And I walked home that day walking across the street back to my house thinking, oh, my, I sure am glad that man Jesus died for me because they might be waiting over here for me on my porch when I get there to crucify me. In my childlike, less than theological understanding <laughs> and no grasp of comprehension because I had no background to understand it. But that's the way I thought of it. But one thing I have never forgotten in all these years, I can, I can tell you about it now, as I am doing, and it's as vivid to me as it's ever been. They said to me that in that vacation Bible school, that time of, I suppose it was one week, going to vacation Bible school in the morning, the two things that I walked away from that remembering were Jesus loved me. I didn't know what that meant. 
that Jesus died for me, I didn't know what that meant. But I remembered it. So God oftentimes plants a seed, a word, an idea, a truth in you before you're ready to understand it. But at another time, he brings it to full fruition, and you grasp it, and it becomes powerful to you, even though it maybe have been years since you first heard it. That's what happened to me. I didn't know really Jesus loved me. I, I knew I was told that he did. Later on, I heard it a few more times. I knew that I was told that he did, but I didn't really know that he did until that night when I gave my heart to him. I didn't know that he would make a change in my life, make a difference, that there would be joy and happiness and the thrill in life when you come to know Jesus until I experienced it for myself, even though I'd been told it many times. And after that little Methodist church, a long time passed, and, and, and a few years later, one of the earliest crusades that Oral Roberts had was in the hometown where I was born and grew up, Goldsboro, North Carolina. And he had that crusade in a big B-52 hangar. It was in December to coal for his tent meetings in a place like North Carolina. So the Air Force Base had been closed, and this B-52 hangar had been closed. They went in, I guess, cleaned it up and got chairs, put his chairs in there. They had thousands of chairs in that B-52 hangar. And in that evangelistic crusade in Goldsboro, it was filled to overflowing every night. It went on for, in those days, they carried those crusades on for like 10 days, sometimes extended them to two weeks. And in that, in that crusade, the Oral Roberts crusade in Goldsboro, I went one time, this is what I remember. I went one time, and he preached a long, long time. Later on, I found out it was traditional for him to preach about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes in those crusades. I was just a boy. It didn't bother me a bit. I sat there listening to it in rapture. I was just thrilled here. I went one more time. I don't know why I didn't go anymore. I guess because I was just carnal and didn't care about going to church or anything had to do with church. So my mother got me to go another time. And that time we sang the song, Standing on the Promises. I heard a big crowd, huge crowd singing that song. Standing on the promises of Christ my King through eternal ages, let his praises be. And, 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 and I remembered that song. I was standing there singing it like everybody else, just like I knew what it meant. I sing it like it, like, it, like it was true for me. I didn't know anything about it, but I, got, I could read the book, so I sang it. Back when I went to the little Methodist church for vacation Bible school graduation on the Sunday morning that they had that, and I was singing out of the hymnal. Remember those books that we used to sing out of? We called them hymnals. Then we'd open another, and I thought, I thought those people couldn't read. This is how ignorant I was. We started singing the song, and I didn't know that you sang from staff to staff. I thought you sang line after line like you read. So in the first staff, there were four lines, and I was singing the first line, not singing the second line. That was the first part of the second verse. I was looking around saying, why, is my, why do I sound different? I'm just telling you, I was, I was so ignorant about church. All I knew when they said church was that building is a church. That's about all I knew. And, and, and the good thing about that for you, though, is you don't have to know very much to get saved. You really don't. 
You just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will draw you. And when he is drawing, when he is pulling on you and tugging on you, you move with him. And he does a miraculous work in your life. So, so in that crusade in Goldsboro, North Carolina, when, when Oral Roberts was there, many people were saved and healed. I don't know, just an abundance of things. Great, glorious things happened that were memorable miracles that happened in people's lives. None of that had any true effect on me because I, I didn't see it, I didn't know it, and I didn't believe it. had no reason to believe it or think about it. But the one thing that had a powerful effect on me out of that crusade, the thing that really changed my life and touched my life, was not what happened to me in those services, but my mother got saved. And that was another thing that God put out before me. I don't know what would have happened to me if my mother had not given her heart to God. But she did, and it changed her life. She started going to church. She went to church every Sunday, morning and night. She went to church. Back then we had church at night. And she went. Every time they had church, she went. And finally she persuaded me to go to Sunday school with her. I just did it to please my mother. I didn't do it because I wanted to go. I didn't do it because I had any interest in going. I didn't go because I wanted to study the Bible. I went because my mother pleaded with me and begged me and asked me to do it just for her. And she said, you don't have to stay for church. Just go to Sunday school. Then you can come home. And that's what I did. I went to Sunday school. When Sunday school was over, I left and headed out for home. I never stayed for a church service. I had never been in a church service in that little Pentecostal holiness church. I've been to Sunday school again and again. I've never been in a church service in that church until the night I got saved. But I've been to Sunday school a lot of times. It didn't make any difference I was going to Sunday school. Nothing happened. I don't remember anything that happened in the Sunday school class. But one thing I do remember is the night that I got saved, the Sunday night when I got saved, the first. This is important to me. It should be important to every one of us. That night when I knelt down beside that old metal chair, gave my heart to God, the first person who got there and was kneeling beside me was my Sunday school teacher. I will never forget Mrs. Best for that. She didn't reach me into Sunday school class. Not that she didn't try. <laughs> nothing got to me in the Sunday school class. Nothing that I ever remember anyway. But what really impressed me, is, and I've held on to it all these years, she loved me enough. When she saw me go for prayer for salvation, she headed right straight to where I was, and she got knelt down beside me, and she stayed there with me and prayed with me until I was saved. That's what we want from our people who love God and already know God when somebody comes to the Lord, don't we? It's just what we want. So the difference that Oral Roberts Crusade made to me was that my mother was saved, and then she succeeded in getting me to go to Sunday school. Well, what the difference was that God was directing my life, and I didn't know it, it caused a lot of people to get acquainted with me. I mean, I was the most ignorant boy in the class. And surely they all thought about me when a question was asked, and I never had the answer because I didn't know any answer. Something was discussed in Sunday school. I couldn't discuss it. I didn't know anything to discuss. I sat there just as ignorant as I'd always been. I didn't know the Bible, didn't know church, didn't know proper procedure. I didn't know the nomenclature. I didn't know what it meant when they said certain things about being saved. I didn't know what that meant. When they talked about being a Christian, I didn't know what that meant. I just knew it was something that was foreign to me. 
But it made no real sense to me because I had no basis of understanding on it. So I am sure that many people in that Sunday school class thought, well, where is this? What, what country did he come from? He looks like an American, but he must come from some heathen country. Because I was a pagan living in the United States of America, and I was going to Sunday school. That's all I was doing, but I was going to Sunday school. I was still a pagan. I didn't believe anything. I wasn't anti-God. I wasn't anti-Christ. I wasn't anti-church. I just didn't care. It didn't make any difference either way to me. But God was doing something that I did not know he was doing. So as he moved and as he moves in your life and doing things that you may not know that what God, that this is something that's happened to you is what God's doing. It could be that the reason that you didn't have that crash with that car that cut off in front of you and barely missed you by a flash of light, almost would have hit you. It could be that God's saying something to you right there. I have a calling and a purpose for you. There's something that I have chosen for you. Because you see, God does have a way of declaring to us that he has chosen us, that we are his, and that he has chosen and picked us and selected us to make us his own. Let me tell you about the Apostle Paul. Because at one time in this church, somebody asked me a question that I had often wondered about for myself. They asked me, if God loved us and called us and chose us, why did he wait so long to let me meet him in my life? How, how did he let me waste all those years, Pastor? And I didn't have the answer. So I said, I'll pray about it. I'll get you a good answer, and I'll come back with it. And I prayed about it because I, I'd wondered about that about myself and about many people. I didn't have the answer to it. But God showed me a scripture, one that I'd read, because I've read the book of Galatians. I had no number of times I read it. But I've never particularly seen this passage that Paul, Paul the Apostle wrote. But this is what he said in Galatians chapter 1, and in verse 15. He said, he, said, he who set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. The Psalms confirm it. The scriptures confirm it. He knew us before we were born. Paul said he set him apart. He set me apart. He chose me. He knew me. He knew who I was and who I would be. He knew me before I was born. And he's moved me and called me by his grace. And then he was pleased to reveal his son, Jesus, to me. And that's what's happened to many of you. And if it hasn't happened, it can happen. Because he, you, you may have been, you may be different from ours. You may have been hanging around this thing for a long time. You may be hanging around it so long you're not really sure you are saved. You've heard it all and got so accustomed to it, you don't really know you are saved or not. I'm not saying you should feel that way. It's all only by faith. I'm just simply saying if that is your case, if that's your situation, he will be pleased to reveal his son to you. That's what salvation is. When the Holy Spirit, moving for the God the Father, comes and reveals his son Jesus Christ to us and causes us to know by faith inwardly that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and our personal Savior who forgives our sins and draws us into himself 
for eternal salvation to carry us to heaven and live in victory with him. That's God's plan for us, and he makes it known to us. So my mother had persuaded me to go to Sunday school, and then, again, God directing my path and, and, and my not knowing that's what he was doing. I decided I'd go to vacation Bible school at that little Pentecostal holiness church. Again, I can only say I was looking for something to do, something to fill up my time. I wasn't going because I wanted to learn anything about Joseph and Mary, or I didn't want to learn anything about Abraham and Jacob, or had no interest. I didn't, I didn't know where Genesis was in the Bible, and I didn't know where Revelation was in the Bible. You told me a, a, a book of the Bible, you could, have told, you could have told me that you're reading from Hezekiah, and I wouldn't know any different. I would have believed it like some of you probably would if you heard me say that. That's supposed to be a joke because there is no book of Hezekiah, just in case you <laughs> So, so, so it, it, it was just a, it was just a pastime, and so in that vacation Bible school, one of the young ladies of the church was my teacher, just a little bit older than I was. But she was an excellent teacher and an excellent Bible student. I guess she was a little bit. I don't mention a year or two older. She was still a young person. But she was teaching us, and 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 in one of those days, she said, "Now let's everybody." quote our favorite Bible verse. You wouldn't do that there put somebody like me on the spot, but she did, and she didn't do it negatively. She just didn't think that anybody wouldn't have a favorite Bible verse. That's just somebody there in vacation Bible school. So they went on, and all the boys and girls were given their favorite Bible verse. I don't remember what any of them said, but when it came to me, I don't know why I knew this. I don't know if I have any idea where it came from, but I said, isn't there a verse that says Jesus wept? And she said, yes, there is. I said, that's my favorite. <laughs> and I remember it so well because it was my favorite that day, I will tell you, because it got me through that exercise that they were doing and I didn't know anything else to say. So Jesus wept. I had no idea where that came from. Don't know how I heard it or learned it or where. Maybe somewhere in my Sunday school class something did make a difference. Maybe I heard that. Anyway, I was right. And so I had a verse to get by that exercise. Jesus wept. Wow. Now, in that vacation Bible school, another particular thing happened. I didn't know this at the time. But everybody, all the boys and girls of the church who were coming to that vacation Bible school. This wasn't like seven or eight years old. This was up in early teenagers. They all became aware of me because they saw that I didn't know anything. I mean, when somebody says, isn't there a verse that says Jesus wept? And they say, well, yeah, well, that's my favorite verse. That tells you a whole lot about that person. You don't know squat. Don't ask him where that is in the Bible. He doesn't know what old, he doesn't know the Old Testament from the New Testament, and that's a fact. I didn't know that. I, I was just I, I, why I was in those places, why I was in Sunday school, why I was in vacation Bible school, why I was involved in saying those things. I couldn't tell you. It wasn't because I had any interest in it whatsoever. It was something to do, a place to go, a place to be. And so there I was, but the thing that really happened was 
those boys and girls in that vacation Bible school came to understand that Billy Register was not saved. It didn't take a lot of revelation for them to know that, I will tell you. But they came to realize I was not saved. And they decided, so and so important to me, I didn't know anything about it at the time, they decided to pray for me. Now, when God directs you to a place, you may not know why he's put you there. You may not know what you're going to get from being there. You may not know why God's leading you as he is. But one reason, and if there were no other reason, one reason God led me to that vacation Bible school was so that those young people, I don't know how many of them there were, that group of young people would decide together, we want to pray for Billy that he'll get saved. If nothing else happened, I didn't even know it was happening. I I surely had no idea why I was there. It was way after I was saved before I realized what was going on. I didn't know they were praying for me. And I wouldn't have cared if I had known. It wouldn't have mattered to me if I had known. It wouldn't have made a difference to me because I didn't. What do I know? I didn't know anything about God answering prayer. Well, that God would answer prayer. I had no knowledge of it, so it wouldn't have mattered to me if I'd known everyone were praying for me. Well, so what? Not going to do me any harm. But they were praying, and God put me there for that reason. So God. When God puts you somewhere, when God puts you somewhere, in touch with someone, in a church, in a body of fellowship, in a group of people, whatever it is, if God has put you there, he's planted you there because he wants to bring a fruit into your life. He has done that because he has a purpose in speaking to you. He wants to say to you what you need to hear for your life and for victory in your life. Don't think that anything that happens to you in placement with people in situations you find yourself is just by accident. God may be doing a great, wonderful thing that's going to make a major difference in your life, and you don't even know it's going on. Because when God's leading you, He knows exactly the place that He's leading you to be. He knows exactly where He's trying to take you to. He knew where He was taking me. I had no idea where he was taking me, didn't know he was even leading me, didn't know he was doing anything for me. All I knew was that sometimes when they got to a certain point and they got just a little uncomfortable and embarrassing, I was glad when the time was over so I could slip out and I could head on my way home from Sunday school or vacation Bible school or whatever it was. And so all of this is going on. And one day there's an announcement made that, tent meeting is coming to Goldsboro. Now, it wasn't anything like the Oral Roberts meeting. It wasn't, it wasn't comparable in size to that at all. It was a tent that met, held a few hundred people. And, but the man who was conducting the meeting was well known throughout the Southeast as an independent Baptist who went, and this is his ministry, he was an evangelist, tent evangelist. And uh, you don't see that much anymore because we didn't have auditoriums you could meet in, in those days. So they had tents, they took them around and set them up. And this, this independent Baptist preacher set up a tent on the school ground yards where I went to school and where I played baseball almost every day. I was familiar with that grounds not because of going to school, because I went over there and played every day with all the other guys that ganged up and went in to play ball. And so I saw that tent over there on the other side of the yards that I, I saw that, that, that uh, they had chairs in there. And I, knew, I knew what was going on. I knew it was a tent meeting. It was a religious meeting of some kind. And then, they, then he made an announcement. I don't know how I got this announcement, how it came to me. 
But he made the announcement that on Sunday afternoon, I think was the close of his revival, on Sunday afternoon, he was going to preach on the book of Revelation. You know how much that meant to me, the book of Revelation. He was going to preach on the rider of the white horse in the book of Revelation. Now, I heard that said, and it didn't stimulate my interest at all. I didn't know there was a book of Revelation. I didn't know there was a white horse. So why would I care? But it, but somehow, this was unique and something different. So that Sunday afternoon, I'm out walking around. You know, in those days, on Sunday afternoon, you're looking for something to do. These days, you don't have to worry about that. Most of you know what to do. You wake up later on, and you've had a good afternoon. But in those days... You know, as a teenage boy, I was looking for something to do to fill up my time. So I'm walking across the across the grounds of the school that day going somewhere, and I see that tent over there. I remember something that he said about a white horse. I well, I don't see what this man's talking about since he didn't have anything else to do. So I walked into the tent meeting, and it was a revival meeting. Oh, they were singing songs, and, and, he, and then he came to preach, and he preached on the rider of that white horse, and I don't remember what he said. That didn't matter. I don't remember if he got it right or if he got it wrong. Maybe he did. But that close of that service, when uh, when that preacher said, as he finished his sermon, he said, Now, I want everybody here to listen to me. He prayed. He said, I want everybody listening to me. He said, Now, I want everybody here who knows if you were to die today that you would go to heaven stand up. And people started standing up. And guess what? Billy stood up too. I stood right up with the rest of them. Not because I knew I was ready to go to heaven. But I tell you one thing. I may not have known a lot about the scriptures. I didn't know anything about the spirit of God. I didn't know anything about religion. But one thing I did know when I was getting ready to be tricked into something. And that old preacher said, if you if you know you'd go to heaven, stand up. I knew if I didn't stand up, I'd be sitting down there with all the ones that weren't going to heaven and going to the other place. So I stood up because I didn't want to be pointed out. And I stood up, and as I stood up, something inside me said, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to heaven. And I said to myself, Maybe I was saying it to the Spirit of God. That's that's right. I'm standing up there with all the other people that say, we're standing up because we're going to heaven. And inside me, I'm saying, I know I'm not going to heaven if I die. If I don't die, but I know I don't know much. Now, I'm telling you, I didn't reason all this out, but I'm telling you now, I, bought, I, I mitigate nothing about what I didn't know. But the one thing I did know, and this was, this was by the Spirit of God that I knew it. I knew my life was not... I was not a good life. I knew that it wasn't a moral life. I knew that it certainly wasn't a church life. It wasn't a spiritual life. I didn't know anything about salvation. But I did know when he asked everybody to stand up if you're going to heaven that I better stand up because if I didn't, I'd be left with that other crowd and something was going to be said to them I didn't want to hear. So I stood up that I was going to go to heaven and I kept standing just as long as everybody else did. I wasn't going to change my mind. I didn't want it to be known because I didn't want to be put on the spot and get and be pulled into coming to that altar. So, so, 
So sometimes God, you know, I, the, the thing that started to bother me a little bit over the next few days was I had told a lie. I didn't think about telling a lie in church, but in a religious service, I'm a preacher. Something different here. And, and I stood up and told a lie. And it, it bothered me. I've told a lot of lies in my life now. I'll you, I've told a lot of lies. But none of them had ever particularly bothered me before. Before, I did everything I could to keep the people from finding out I told a lie. Now I'm being bothered by the fact that I told a lie because I felt like I had lied to God, whoever he was. I wasn't supposed to do that, and I told a lie. And what could I do about that? Now, God started dealing with me. And then the pastor of the Pentecostal Holiness Church that my mother went to all the time and where I went to Sunday school announced that on Sunday night, he was going to preach a sermon on the answer of the rider of the white horse in the book of Revelation because the preacher on Sunday afternoon in the tent meeting got it wrong. And he was going to tell the correct version of it and tell it right. Anybody want to hear the right truth about it, come to church that night. Didn't bother me. I couldn't have told you what he, who he said the rider of the white horse was. I know he says Christ or the Antichrist. But my mother started talking to me about it. And she continued to talk to me about it. And she kept saying, well, you went to listen to the man you don't know talk about the rider of the white horse. At least you ought to come hear our pastor hear what he has to say. Maybe he'll tell you something different. Well, it didn't have that much effect on me because I didn't really care. I didn't really care who the rider of that white horse was. Didn't care if there was a white horse. Didn't care if he had a rider. That's not what interested me. But God somehow used it somehow use it to tweak a curiosity about it. That where, where, you know, to be curious about something, you've got to know a little bit of something about it. You're curious about how a car drives. Well, you want to know whether what kind of car it is. I'm, you don't just look at every car that comes along. Well, I wonder how that looks on the inside and how it drives. You've got to know something about it to care. I didn't know enough about it to care. But what I did care about was my mother. I cared that she had started serving God. I cared that I saw a difference in her life. I cared that things had changed since she went to that altar in that crusade, and she was a different person. I couldn't explain it to you. I had no explanation to give for it, but I just knew that her life had changed. And she wanted me to have what she had. And she kept talking to me about coming to church and doing this. And she was trying to persuade me to go to that Sunday night service. So next, next Sunday, I want to tell you how I became persuaded, why I became persuaded go to that Sunday night church service and how God led me and spoke to me about it when I didn't know it was God. Didn't know it was God telling me to do it. I, all this time, all these things that God was doing when he was directing my life step by step, I didn't know that it was God doing it. I had no recognition, no knowledge, no understanding that it was God. I can look back on it now and I can see how every step was directed of God. How every direction was chosen by the Lord. How every event was set up in the plan of God. Why I stood up, I can see now why I stood up in that tent meeting to say I was going to heaven when I knew well, full well, completely in my heart I was not going to heaven. I can see now why God let that happen. Because all of that God used to bring together, to bring me to the place where he was ready to reveal his son to me. God was ready to reveal his son to me. And he was getting me set up and directing me to get to the place, to get into that situation where I could have 
the revelation of Jesus Christ come into my life. I want to tell you the rest of that next Sunday morning. And, 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 and I will tell you this today. I'm, 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 gratefully, I'm grateful and I will be eternally grateful that God spoke to me and led me and directed me the way he did, put me in the place that he did, and all these things that he brought about to make happen. Because while all of this was going on, while I was going to Sunday school, while I went, went to the tent meeting, while I went to the vacation Bible school, I was still out on the baseball grounds cursing and yelling and screaming and fighting and doing everything I'd always done, just like I'd always done it. The only difference was God was moving on the other track, and I didn't know it. God was moving to bring me to a place that he could reveal his son to me. And that I want to, that I want to share with you in detail how that happened. Next Sunday, next Sunday, I'll show you the pictures again of that I took when I was up there, and I, I got, I, I was admitted to that little church where that happened, and I've shown it to you one time before. I'll show you again and point out the specific place. The reason it's important for me to point out the specific place where I was saved is because it was so definite, so clear, so so positive, so exact, so certain that I know exactly when and where it happened. And I want to share that with you next Sunday. As God led me up to this point, he led me the rest of the way. And how he got me into church on Sunday night to hear that message about the white horse that I And today, even today, I can't tell you which one of them had it right, which one of them had it wrong. I know one of them said it was the Antichrist, and the other one said it was Christ. I think the pastor I got saved was the one that had it right when he said it was Jesus Christ. But I could be wrong. I'm not positive I remember that, but all it doesn't matter. Because what matters is God used that to bring me into his presence so the Holy Spirit could convict me of my sin, make me know that I was a sinner bound for hell, and he was willing to save me and change my life and receive me just like I was and save me by his precious blood. That's what he showed me. And that's what I want to share with you next time. Stand with me, please. As you're standing with me, please bow your heads. I don't know if there's anybody here.